0: It's the higher value food processing end. Currently all protein for food processing is imported in Ireland. So there's a massive market there for us to exploit. And especially when we see trends in diets, there's obviously a focus m- towards more plant-based diets. We've seen a
1: 72% increase in global plant protein sales. The Chargus Crops Open Day took place in Oak Park a couple of weeks ago. There are still really nice compliments coming from the industry about how much people enjoy the day, which is always good to hear. In this show, I will bring you another flavor of some of the parts of the Open Day. You are listening to the latest episode of The Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. We would really appreciate it if you could listen, follow, and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. In this, the second of four shows from the Crops Open Day, this show will focus on protein crops. I first caught up with Kieran Collins to set the scene and then chatted to Sheila Alves, a researcher in bean agronomy, about intercropping protein crops. From there, I chatted to Sinead Fitzsimons, a researcher in the U-protein project to chat about adding value to proteins and finished off by talking to two PhD students, Antoine Pichon and Jamie Lee Carter about chocolate spot and Brook beetle. But first let's hear from Kieran Collins, a tillage specialist in Oak Park to set the scene about protein crops. I suppose really
0: what we're trying to exploit here is um, getting higher value for what we already grow. So the example I use is, is feed barley. Most farmers here today are growing feed barley. And if you can grow malting barley, you're adding value to something that you already grow for very little cost. So I suppose that's the target of projects like U-Protein and Valpro Pro, which are trying to exploit those non-feed added value
1: opportunities. Mm. So, so so, so is that carrying then just in it? Because I see a couple of things here, there's bread and burgers and that. Is it is it into likes of bread and that kind of thing, or is it to more high-value ends of it? It's the, it's the higher-value food processing end. Currently, all... Uh,
0: protein for food processing is imported in Ireland. So there's a massive market there for us to exploit. And especially when we see trends in diets, there's obviously a focus towards more Plant-based diets. We've seen a 72% increase in global plant protein sales. You know, from the period of five to 21. So there's huge markets there, and there's also the whole climate change. There's probably a focus on on uh, lower uh, lower consumption of, of animal-based uh, you know diets and that, and increase in plant-based diets. So you know, there is a big market there for us. The market
1: is ripe for it out there at the moment. So in terms of uh, Kieran, in terms of, of of increasing the value of the of the proteins, how is that done? Well, I suppose the, the likeness that I use is if you think of dairy processing and maybe some
0: of the work that goes on in Park with, with milk processing over the years and extracting proteins there. It's like applying those technologies to protein crops and extracting those, those the, you know, looking at the amino acid profiles and seeking out, you know, which are favourable for food processing industry. And we're seeing a lot of varieties grown here today at the open day. And, uh, you know, there will be hand samples taken. Those will be analysed for amino acid profiles and seeing which fits best at food processing markets.
1: So can these uh, processes concentrate those so they can be sold on individually? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's what people
0: will have hear, heard about today with Valpropration Path and, and, and the likes of U Protein.
1: Thanks very much, Karen. And now I'm going across to Sheila Alves to talk about bean agronomy, especially intercropping protein crops.
2: Abba beans are the crop that is mostly grown in Ireland for... Uh, a protein, as a protein crop, but in areas like Carlo, we have sandy soils, and now we have these dry spells, plus the high temperature, and they are not really conditions favourable to grow faba beans. There's a penalty in yield with the flower losing in flower and losing of pods at setting. So uh, we look at peas because peas are usually perform very well in sandy soils, and they are more resistant to drought. But peas have this problem of standability. And when they, they fall over, you mean? Yes, they lodge when they are almost ready to cro- to, to harvest. Okay. And what we thought was if we mix a little bit of faba beans with the pea crop, then the the, the, the faba bean stem is strong enough to act as a sc- Scaffold. scaffolding scaffolding yes. yes and the dendrils of the peas will grow around it and then the 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 sustainability of the pea crop increases so what we are looking at having a pea crop with a window of harvest that is higher uh, longer
1: so but then in fairness you're going to get a mixture then at the other side of peas and beans out the far side so i suppose there's two questions really in that one is that will they harvest at the same time and two It's all mixed up in the tank, How have you got a solution to to get them out separately?
2: So, the first question, uh, it's all about varieties. If you select a late pea variety and an early or very early bean variety, you will get that synchrony where the two crops ripe at the same time. Uh, In terms of separation, if we are looking for rations, you don't really need to separate for feed. But if you are looking for separation anyway, there's uh, technologies like dry separation that can do this very easily. Okay, so, so the solutions are there.
1: So you also have uh, some lupins and some other very colorful crops there. What's what's the what's the uh, story with those?
2: Yeah, so we are looking at uh, and this is uh, long-term solutions. If the climate does change as expected, we are looking at crops again, legume crops, grain. Legume crops that can uh, grow in marginal lands and are more resistant to drought, and that's why we are trying several varieties of lupins that have high protein content, and also lentils.
1: Okay, so hopefully they'll they'll come into some sort of a crop in, in terms of you need to, you find the right varieties first, I presume, is it?
2: Yes, yes. Okay.
1: I then jumped across to talk to Sinead Fitzsimon to talk about adding value to protein crops.
3: So we're taking the proteins that are grown and then we're extracting. Um, what we were calling protein concentrates, isolates and flours, and we're treating them as an ingredient. And as you put them into the food in, food um, sector, we're using them to gel products, to add viscosity, to add nutrition. So that's all adding value as we go along the food chain.
1: And how does, how does that work? Is it a is it, is it matter just grinding them up and sieving them out, or is it a bit more complicated? Look,
3: so for, for flour, we can grind, we, f- we dry them, then grind them, and we can f- produce the flour. Uh, This flour then can be used in bread so in new protein and in valpropath it will be used as a substitute for wheat flour in bread and look at the increased nutrition. And also then you can go along Increase so do um, an extraction process, which will increase the concentration of protein. Okay. So then, once we have the increased concentration, the value of the protein is increasing.
1: And how far can you increase the value of that protein?
3: We can increase the protein content up to 90%. So within new protein, from we, what
1: about 25% percent to up 90%. to 90%. Wow. Yeah. And is that does that directly go into some food products, or what? Does, how does that work in the industry?
3: So directly into some. So we could use, uh, say, the flour put it in as a substitute into your breads, uh, look at the characteristics of that, up to, say, sports nutrition, where you're looking at a protein isolate, you're looking at a pure protein. So you're a pure R protein, and you're looking at the amino acid pro- profile for that first.
1: Are, are there any companies out there working with you to try and make that happen, if you like, on the ground?
3: Yes, we have companies involved in both projects that are, I suppose, providing the pull factor. So they're giving us the feedback to be able to, say what they want in the product. So what processing they need, what characteristics they need in the protein. Which and is what
1: really good. So currently they're developing products on the back of that, yes. which, which, which will hit the, the shelves have, in
3: yes. shortly if you so like. So they're, they're tying in with our research.
1: I then went and talked to Antoine to talk about brooked beetle in beans.
4: Only the larvae is a problem. Uh, they will uh, feed uh, from the seed, so they will dig a whole round hole on the seed and when they will emerge, it will yes, create a big hole and um, that makes it impossible to sell if you have too high pressure for the international market.
1: Okay, so what are you trying to, trying to do here now in, in
4: So I'm trying to know the level population in the country. And uh, I'm also trying to find a different way to manage the brookie beetle uh, with, uh, yeah, with pesticide resistance, checking the pesticide resistance or checking a lure to attract the brookie beetle.
1: So this is your your early early into your work at the moment? Do yeah, you- my first year. First so. year, so you don't have any great results yet? No, no. Are you, are you looking for any anything come back from farmers to give you some samples or anything like that? Or are you going out yourself to the field?
4: Yes, um, we give them a trap suit who they take a picture of the trap at the end it's sticky trap so i can count the number of people to know where the population pressure is higher or lower in the country and uh, then uh, they will give me a few seeds uh, and i will be able to see the impact of the broken beetle. How many are still in the seed and how many emerge from the seed.
1: And are you looking for any more farmers? If there's a farmer listening today, could a farmer get in contact with you, even for next year, to, 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 uh, to participate in what you're doing? Yes,
4: yes, uh, I'm looking for more farmers, so... Yeah, we get collected more farmer today and uh, yeah, the goal is to represent uh, as much as possible all the production uh, for a long... Okay, uh, so it's
1: a clear message if you're a farmer out there and you have uh, brookie beetle problems or you want to know where it is, yes. get in contact with, the, with, with, with your local advisor and we'll, we'll get put in touch with, with Anton here. Anton, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. And now we chat to Jamie Lee Carter talking about chocolate spot in beans.
5: I'm doing a chocolate spot studies uh, on faba bean which is one of the main diseases affecting faba bean production in Ireland and we're looking for resistance genes that can be incorporated in future breeding strategies.
1: Okay and see from your board here uh, Jamie you have different uh, virulence, but look at it in terms of different leaves. What are you finding out there at the moment? Or have you found, Have you got some results already in?
5: So we have some results in from the detached leaf studies in the lab. So we're testing 200 lines of faber And we found that some varieties are showing very promising resistance traits. Unfortunately, these seem to be varieties that are not going to necessarily perform really well in the Irish climate. So the aim of this study is then to move that on to a a GWAS, genome-wide association study, to look for those resistance uh, genetic markers that can be used uh, in in future breeding strategies to incorporate uh, those resistant traits into existing durable varieties that are already performing well here in Ireland.
1: And in terms of them not performing well, they're not performing well from the point of view of they're not suited to climate because they're not yielding or is it some other reason?
5: So yes, we tend to find that those were kind of varieties that are putting more resources into being uh, resistant to diseases. They may not have as mu- much resources, so we're finding that those are smaller varieties, lower yielding varieties, or they may have um, less uh, resistance to some of the abiotic stresses that we're seeing here in ireland
1: okay and have you this year in in 2023 have you been in a lot of crops have you seen much um b- uh, chocolate spot
5: so here in the in the middle of ireland in in carlo kilkenny dublin we have very low disease pressure but in cork it seems there's very high disease pressure this year and i've been sampling fields in cork uh this year to um try to characterize the chocolate spot disease that we have here in ireland
1: And in terms of our characterisation, are you going all the way down to the genetic end of it? In terms of knowing one's slightly different to the other, different strain of it, if you like?
5: So yes, uh, in terms of species, we have four different species of the pathogen actually contributing to the disease. in Europe and we're not sure in Ireland which of those species are contributing to high-pressure disease so we know we have the main uh, host specific disease Botrytis fabae and what we're trying to find out is if those other three species are either opportunistic so less of a problem less to worry about or if those species are causing the disease in their own right and they're something that we need to worry about for the future.
1: Okay so you're what three years in now are you? Yeah, uh, and that's so right. hopefully next year then you'll have We'll have a better idea, the better varieties, and we'll have a much deeper understanding about Chocolate Spot in general.
5: Yes, I hope so.
1: So that's it for this week. And my thanks to Kieran, Sheila, Sinead, Antoine and Jamie for joining me on the show. Next week, the show will continue to focus on the Crops Open Day and we'll talk about establishment systems, cover crops and the signpost tillage farm program. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast then recommend it to a friend or colleague, And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more Tillage news and advice.